welcome to the Robot Love Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Brian Venegas. Welcome to another edition of Robot Love. Today I have a special guest. His name is Mark Jackson. He's a Star Wars aficionado and, you know, a pretty good guy. Actually, a really good guy. We've been friends for years. Um, Mark Jackson. Hey, hey everyone. Thanks for having me, Brian. Super excited. Um, you, you're way too nice. I'm not, uh, I know enough to be dangerous, <laughs> but I'll, I'll take aficionado from you. He's a dangerous dude. He's a dangerous dude when it comes to Star Wars. He's got some really, really important... Uh, uh, opinions on Star Wars and you know I'm gonna just jump into the first um, topic we have so we've got several topics today uh, Clone Wars Rogue One if we can touch on Solo oh yeah that would be great also like to talk a little bit about the last two franchise films um, The Last Jedi and um, uh, Force Awakens exactly gotcha so I'll, I'll hold my tongue until until that uh, okay. conversation so let's jump in because uh, I watched the Clone Wars. I've probably seen four or five seasons. It's on season seven right now, right? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. I think they're actually making another um, another season that's going to be after where it ended, which we all thought it was over. But yeah, yeah, yeah we did. And um, the cool thing about the Clone Wars is, uh, basically, since A New Hope, the Clone Wars in general have been uh, referenced by Obi Wan Kenobi, and you know, kind of the first. Uh, the first, uh, well, I would say it's probably the first preview of Darth Vader, and it was a little ambiguous until Empire Strikes Back. So I'm going to hand it off to you a little bit, and why do you like the Clone Wars so much, and what do you think is the reason it's so much more popular for the younger audiences than some of the other films? Sure. So I, I definitely think that there's a, you know, this new generation of Star Wars content, there's, there's definitely a formula to follow. You know, you have a cute droid, um, you know, some force magic going on, um, and then as well as some, you know, having some of the characters from Legends, so maybe some of the characters that were in the originals, um, you got old Obi-Wan comes back, and um, touch on Darth Maul, all those things, so um, I think it's popular mostly because it has all the best aspects of Star Wars in it. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, in the prequels that happened, one of the things that was, was a little disappointing to me is that there wasn't a lot of backstory of uh, people on the Jedi Council. So one of my favorite characters is Plo Koon. Sure. And so talk a little bit about some of those characters and what you know from the Extended Universe because you've got a bit of an encyclopedic knowledge of the Extended Universe and some of the Jedis and their backstories. Sure. So Plo Koon, Luminara, um, drawing a blank right now on some of the other ones. Yeah, Plo Koon, you know, of course, Ahsoka um, is one of the greatest. Um, let me say, we got to start over, dude, because I forgot who the uh, other ones were. That's cool, man. So what we'll do is... Oh, so uh, Mace Windu, of course, and also some of the uh, villains. So General Grievous, um, Count Dooku, you really get a, a look into those characters that you didn't get, um, you know, in the films or from any other, um, any other content, really. Um, Kit Fisto is really cool. Um, I was actually just rewatching some of the Clone Wars not too long ago, and he's like yep. a, this cool, almost Rastafarian-like Jedi. So yeah, that is cool. He was super cool. Um, Shock T is really cool. And it was just good to see that part of Padawan Ahsoka, you know, coming up through the Jedi ranks. The, the type of respect you're supposed to show your um, 
superiors and things like that. So and she wasn't mentioned in in um, any of the films, right? None of them, none of them, man. So I think that's I'm not. I think they made that canon now. So maybe we'll eventually see her at some point. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see after this next season of the Clone Wars. You know what her um, fate ends up being. So yeah. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is the role in Clone Wars of Anakin Skywalker because obviously, you know, my opinion and this is just my opinion, in the first two prequels, I mean, he, he's kind of likable, mm-hmm. but in the second one, it's like, eh, sure. uh, not only is kind of a separate actor in my opinion, but <laughs> let's not even talk about the first one, uh, Phantom Menace. Um, but I really, I really never had. Um, a connection with him as a Jedi or even as a, an individual. So tell me a little bit more about the differences between the film depiction of Anakin and the heroic uh, depiction of him in uh, Clone Wars. Sure, sure. You're right. I mean, about the uh, the prequels, it was really hard to get a to get a look at him. Um, you know, kind of his development from being good, going bad, just even three movies wasn't enough to actually show that. The Clone Wars shows the full extent of Palpatine manipulating him. Mm-hmm. All the different things that kind of nudged him from someone that's really, really trying to be good and struggling with it to someone who embraces the actual dark side, the evil, mm-hmm. um, you know. Even though, as we've seen, because he, he obviously turned back, he never really totally embraced entropy and all those other Sith things. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It was uh, it was just really good to see Palpatine manipulate him that like that, and then also Obi Wan and Anakin's relationship. Yeah, um, we got a little bit of that in the prequels, but just to see how that shifted over time as well, and um, that that was another really cool part about the, the Clone Wars that I liked. Well, in the prequels, um, if I can be so bold to say that their um, well, the dialogue was a little stale, but. That was kind of antagonistic. I mean, they, they never really seemed like they had the history that they had. And that's one of the things that throws people off. Because um, you've got the Clone Wars where they're definitely in sync. They're definitely um, Master Padawan or Master and then, uh, you know, um, Anakin takes on a Padawan as well. I think that the reason why I like the Clone Wars, and I'm sure that you will concur, is because it's very clean in storytelling. Everybody who enters is a character that um, not only is from the movies, but some new characters, and it's so deep. And when I first saw uh, season two, I think I started watching it, I'm like, man, I hope they keep doing this because it is sweet. Now, there are some other characters that um, were a little bit two-dimensional in um, the first three films, and one of them, actually the the second and third, is uh, Count Dooku. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about him, because I know you and I have talked about him off-air, about how he is, uh, I don't know if he's... He's a little bit of a draconian figure. He's kind of like Darth Vader, but he's a lot more vulnerable. Sure, sure. And then Dooku's, you know, background coming from, you know, almost like a royal family in the in the uh, galaxy previously. But um, Dooku in the in the Clone Wars and also in the book Darth Plagueis, um, they really really elaborate on his motivations, how, why he chose to be the way that he is. Whenever we see the movies, he just looks like, you know, an evil guy who just likes power, who likes. You know, swing around his, his lightsaber, but uh, let's tuck that over, dude. No, we're, we're good, man. We're good. Now. So, I mean, Count Dooku was really interesting because he was a respected Jedi Master. Um, I remember reading the, the Darth Plagueis books, and he was at important political functions, looked at kind of as a um, one of the champions of all the good that was about the, um, you know, the Galactic Republic. 
Um, but when he fell to the dark side, you know, after the death of his, I think it was, yeah, it was Qui-Gon, um, mm-hmm. he becomes, you know, Sidious's um, second apprentice. And it's cool because he, you know, coming up through politics, which is where most of Dooku's power was originally, yeah. he got sick of it, which is what drew him to the dark side. You know, he was tired of playing politics. He thought what was best for the galaxy was what he thought, what was what uh, him and Sidious and the strong um, thought was the best. So um, it's hard to, to hate Dooku at first, but as it goes along, um, he, does, he just does way too much evil stuff. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he has a, a relationship with um, General Grievous. And General Grievous, now, I think in the extended universe, there have been other droid Jedis. Am I right or am I wrong? I he might be the first. I think he might be the might be the first force. Well, does he use the does Grievous actually use the force or some aspects of it at least? Um, he says in um, and now which movie was the battle between Obi Wan Kenobi and General Grievous? That was um, the same movie of Order sixty six. So Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. So the interesting part about that is when he has his confrontation with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And please, if anybody has any questions, I mean, contact me if you want additional links or information because um, there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. And if we start going in tangents, you know, I'll try to wrangle us back in because it's so interesting and there's so much. And Mark knows so much about um, all of these uh, different subjects. But I do remember General Grievous saying in The Revenge of the Sith... Um, I've learned your Jedi powers. I've got he uh, and he, he collected all of these lightsabers. So that mm-hmm. that goes to um, the second point is because he had a living heart. Where does the where does the force come from? Was it because he had a living heart? Was it something that he just said and he learned the tricks? Right, right. No, I completely. That's a really good question. And so it's funny you'll have two schools of thought here. The people who are totally cool with the prequels, bringing up midichlorians. And then you also have <laughs> don't even get me started about that, dude. I love that part about it. And then you have people like like Jay, for example. Um, you know, people who hated that, who just want the kind of the source of the force to stay mysterious, to stay vague, which I completely understand as well. Yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I guess if he's had so Grievous was kind of like an android, does have a living heart. Is it the midichlorians, or is it just a part of your consciousness? I guess it just depends on which which ex- explanation you want to agree with, because mm-hmm. they always left that vague. Yeah, yeah, they really did. So I'm gonna um, take the arc a little bit more uh, into the the Clone Wars, because I I wanna I wanna touch on a, a few different characters. Um, so you know, we talked about Plo Koon. Now a little bit about that. I know that I haven't personally memorized um, the Star Wars wiki. Um, and, and there's a lot. I mean, you can go into all these different characters that were in comics. There's even some that I think were developed that weren't in the comics and you know mm-hmm. never made it to the movies or, or Clone Wars. Um, I don't know why I like Plo Koon. I know that he's from a planet where, um, is it methane or something? I mean, I sound really ignorant to, no. to the background. And then he has to wear um, a respirator the entire time that he's... He's off planet, but he's one of the more uh, wise Jedi's in the council. I even think that he is the wisest member of the council, and some of his adventures in the Clone Wars are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that you know, I gotta say I love the movies, but you know he wasn't featured that much. Just kind of like when okay, he died. yeah, when he died, and <laughs> I, I was just like that was one of the most disappointing uh, parts of the movie. It's just like all of these. Jedi's were, were fighting bravely and they were getting killed. And obviously Yoda, Master Yoda, who's at the top of the Jedi Council, sure. um, almost got uh, 
uh, assassinated when they called uh, Directive 66. Directive 66, baby. Yep. And uh, one of my favorite uh, parts of the film, besides when he, he fights with uh, Darth Sidious, is when you know he's up there with Chewbacca, and I think it's Chewbacca's immediate relative. I don't know who, who was up there when he was observing the, the, the invasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the invasion of... Uh, Well, wherever Chewbacca's from. I know this planet. Free the Wookiees. Free the Wookiees. Free the Wookiees. Well, he's going to look that up, but one of my favorite uh, parts of that is when Yoda does this amazing quadruple backflip and cuts the heads off of the... Uh, of those guards. Yeah, of the, of the clone soldiers as uh, as they come to kill him. So, I mean, that being said, um, you've got these different Jedi Masters, and it goes all the way back, and... And um, before Kashyyyk, sorry, sorry. Kashyyyk, ah. sorry about that. Yeah, you can interject that because <laughs> yeah. that's an important one. And you know, we can have an entire podcast about this. I'm going to have Mark back probably next month to talk a little bit more about um, you know the universe in general. And you know, I promised myself we wouldn't go into this, but I'm going to give Mark about two three minutes to talk a little bit about the iconography of, of the um, lightsaber colors and their significance. Okay, sure. So. Actually, I don't think we should. I don't know much about that, dude. <laughs> no, that's cool. Well, you know red and green. I don't know much about that. Dude, we can go back to the to the um, Wookiees. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely, Sorry, man. No, you got free reign. This is this is this is your podcast right now. All right, cool. So going back to the Wookiees and um, talking about Kashyyyk, I remember one of the books, or maybe a couple of the books that I read. Um, Kashyyyk was besieged. You know, all of the Wookiees were enslaved for a good part of the existence of the Empire. You know, Wookiees were used to help build the Death Star. Wookiees were used for all their construction pro- projects. And um, one of the books that I read, Chewbacca um, actually helped, Chewbacca and Han helped a legal rebellion mm-hmm. on Kashyyyk. And that's another thing that you never really could have gotten from, you know, the movies. Yeah. Uh, no criticism. Obviously, there's not enough time to go into all these different backstories, but mm-hmm. the the strength of the Wookiee people, um, you know, their different traditions, the the death pact. I mean, the uh, the oath that Wookiee that um, Chewbacca owes to Han. Yeah. All those things are also which they covered in Solo. They did cover that in Solo. Yeah, very very true. Those are all also very cool things that were left out of the original canon movies. Uh, I'm just happy that we you know have enough content now. Really happy that Disney bought it. Uh, yeah, me too. They've they've got deep pockets. Got deep pockets, deep, man. Deep pockets. Super deep. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, we can get to this a little bit later. Um, us classical fans or whatever are gonna be annoyed with some things. Disney has a formula for how you know how to sell. Yeah. Star Wars things, but um, yeah, I'm super grateful that they bought it. We'll be having Star Wars content for decades. So. Yeah, and uh, to be honest with you, we're gonna organically switch a little bit back into um, the realm of the. Uh, current movie franchise um, one of the things that I don't know if it's a little bit concerning for mm-hmm. Star Wars fans but when they started uh, Star Wars and The Force Awakens was such a huge hit I and mean, you and I talked off air about how amazingly J.J. Abrams captured that that side wipe editing and everything was amazing and he had as many costumes as he could just like you know well before George Lucas obviously went back and, and added some digital things into the first three films. But I guess the point is is that J.J. Abrams went back and kind of captured the original feel of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I was in. 
I was hooked. Same. I was like, I, you know, you and I, we used to work together yep. in a cubicle, multiple <laughs> cubicles. Uh, I'll talk about that. Often. Yeah, right. Uh, so keep safe. Exactly. So um, we used to like. I used to um, IM him. I'm like, MJ, you got to see this. He's like, I've seen it. Like every preview. And it didn't disappear. Like, do you remember the second or third preview when the? It was the second preview when you saw uh, the theme song, and then you saw the Millennium Falcon, Millennium yes. Falcon coming up and doing that turn and going the other way. Uh, classic. Awesome. So, I'm gonna uh, give it back to you on that film. That is um, what I would consider the perfect start to uh, the prequel. Tell me some things you really liked about that. Sure, sure. So I, I totally agree. Um, you know, while we did just talk about how Disney has a formula to follow, but I think they nailed that, and everyone won, all types of fans won with The Last Jedi, so yeah. they brought the lore back, you know, there, I remember the scene where Han Solo is telling Rey and Finn on the Millennium Falcon, yeah, I knew Luke, yeah. you know, and they space out, and there's all the stars around, and they talk about the Force. In that way that Harrison Ford just wants to go eat lunch at the same exactly. time. <laughs> he's honestly, he's, he's annoyed with, with, with Just being there? Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, dude, I love that. But, I mean, it was... They really caught the lore, and they really got me excited again. Um, you know, they showed just enough of, of Rey being inherently so powerful in the Force to yeah. get you thinking about the prophecy-type things that made the prequels and 4, 5, and 6 so cool. They really got you thinking about who's, who are Rey's parents? Yeah. Um, Did she have parents? That was one of the, the first theories, which I don't really buy. We still don't know. I don't. I don't believe Kylo Ren, but we, we, I guess we still really don't know. And um, so yeah, I mean that was some of the really cool things I liked about it. They brought the the Sith back a little bit. Um, you know, we were all wondering who. What's the 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 um, the main Sith Lord? Jesus, man. Oh, uh, are you talking about the new Sith Lord? Yeah, the guy who, who just got sliced in half. Oh. Well, I have to tell you one thing, and you know, Mark's going to do a little peripheral research right now. Um, the scene in uh, the last film was absolutely ridiculous. Which one? Well, pick one. Um, <laughs> Snoke. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Snoke. The fact that there's there's all this buildup and there's all of this, um, you know, people are, are searching in the extended universe, and you and I had some some theories uh, about who he was, and he was the ultimate, well-constructed, well-thought-out um, Sith, maybe not Sith, no, he was a Sith, um, pretty much bad guy, and there was no battle. Yeah. He basically uh, asserted his power, he had these these uh, kind of Sith guards, and then was killed. Right. Just out of nowhere. Just died out of nowhere, yeah. And then there was this Jimboree battle between, uh, you know, the the his guards and Kylo Ren, um, and obviously Ren, and it was just weird. It was really weird. The those royal guards, yeah, it was really weird, man. I mean, he's Snoke is sitting there just villain monologue <laughs> for two for two minutes straight, and yeah, I didn't really like the way the way they ended that. Um, and also, you know, if Kylo Ren is the heir to the Sith, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not really that, that afraid of the Sith moving forward, but. Um, it's not really uh, as scary. It's not. Uh, let, let me touch on this because um, I know this is totally a side note, 
the shirtless scene. Oh my god. <laughs> With those leggings. That was the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's like they were they were communicating in this weird erotic way and he's sitting there with no shirt on. I didn't know if it was an episode of Girls <laughs> or if it was something else going on. And he's like, embrace embrace the what? Those 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 wet pecs. Ugh, dude, he's so oily. <laughs> he's yeah, so oily. His pants pulled up an inch below his nose. <laughs> Yeah, that was a, I mean, I, I honestly thought it was going to be the one JC of The J.C. Penny outfit at the top uh, pulled all the way up. God. <laughs> oh, man. I saw that, and I was trying and trying. I've spoken to my brother about this, who's a huge Star Wars fan. He's, he's got the same kind of encyclopedic knowledge as Mark. I, I just looked at him like, I mean, yeah, in the first three films, there may have been some things like that. I mean... I could I could think of the fact that well first of all Han Solo's shirt was always down to his belly button. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Skywalker was you know uh, didn't have any clothes on except for this weird diaper when he was being repaired after yeah. and Empire Strikes Back. But that's not even <laughs> that's not even it was implied back in those films because you had Princess Leia talking to Han Solo and then her kissing um, Luke Skywalker, which retrospectively was just so weird and wrong. Yeah. Um, but uh, And that's going to go into my other point. I'm going to try to move this along a little bit because there's so much to talk about. And we're going to save it for the next podcast that you and I have because I think this is extremely interesting. And by the way, if you're listening to this because you follow me and you know, you've listened to the, the last several podcasts, this is a fan podcast. And I probably should have prefaced the recording of this by saying this is for fans. But, I mean, if you're interested in getting into it, if you've started to read a random comic. Are, um, yeah, I'm a graphic novelist, and, and I wasn't a huge comic collector, but I did read some of these Indiana Jones comics and Star Wars comics. So I guess what I'm asking um, from you, Mark, is the last film. Give me a few points mm-hmm. of whether it was a success in your mind or sure. whether it was a failure or a mixture in between. Gotcha. So let's talk about the successes, I believe. So we can jump all the way to the end, and when they showed the the kids, you know, the rebels moving moving a little, the broom with the force, that gives you a cliffhanger, and that gives you hope that there will be more Star Wars, more original Star Wars content moving forward. Yep, I think they they nailed that. Um, the things that I really did not like about it, I know that was a really short list of successes. <laughs> <laughs> that may be an ominous review of this. <laughs> really bad. By the way, and by the way, I know all listeners are probably going to crucify us for this, but. Some of the facts and things like that. Dude, come on. Let me get out of that last, like, 20 seconds. Gotcha, man. So it, it might be a short list of successes, and I need to preface this with saying I'm grateful for all Star Wars content. Ryan Johnson, everyone, so understand that. Um, success would be there's obviously a future for the franchise. You know, they showed the kids, the slaves, um, using the Force, and... You know, at the end, when Luke Skywalker is talking, he says, um, you know, the, the Jedi will continue, things like that. So that was one success. You know that there's going to be more content, and they've already started. Yeah, sure. Um, but some of the things that I really didn't didn't like about Not it Not to was, interject, but Luke. Dude, oh, man, <laughs> Luke. Luke. And I love Mark Hamill as well. I love him. But I feel like... Where they took it, though, against... Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Where you mean where they took like his? Well, I mean they could have they could have very easily um, had uh, and not to interrupt your point, no, but they could have very easily had him uh, raise the the X wing fighter, uh, rushed to the planet, completely uh, done a lot of these badass things. In fact, if you follow Mark Hamill on Twitter, 
he was ready. He was worked out. He's like, ah, I'm going to have this. Ready for some duels. Yeah, I'm going to have these <laughs> ass Because you really didn't see him as um, a master. Mm-hmm. You saw him as a Jedi Knight, and you know you kind of saw him getting to that point. But then it's like, wah, wah. Right. He let it sink. He never went. He did this weird um, teleportation, visual teleportation, where he was there as a hologram. And I was like, what the F is going on? Same, which is, that was like the only time that he flexed his force power in this whole movie. So, wait, this is another point. We got robbed from a lot of content that is in the EU between, you know, um, Return of the Jedi and the new the new two movies. There was a lot of cool yeah. Luke Skywalker Extended stuff. Extended Universe is Extended. what that stands for, yeah. Gotcha, yeah, like the Thrawn series. But um, just the movie alone, you're, you're right, man. I mean, he was almost... It was almost as if he had forgotten the things that made him a Jedi Master. He was way too bitter, which I didn't think would be, you know, possible for someone who has mastered it. Overnight, he's bitter. Overnight, exactly. And then you have to backtrack and say this is why he was bitter, which was another conversation. But go ahead. Yeah, and and you know, this is just me. It was a little bit too too funny. So whenever he asked, there was a scene when he asked Ray, you know. Tell me about the Force. What you know? She almost sounded like she was reciting like a Wikipedia or an essay. The light side versus the dark side. Blah blah blah. Um, I just expected Luke number one to use his powers more. I expected them to show us more Force power. Yeah. Number two, a lightsaber battle. There wasn't one true lightsaber battle. I think in the whole movie. Um, there were a lot of rumors about that, by the way. Um, somebody said it was like the first video game. And I don't remember the name of it, where you can actually bring a Star Destroyer down when you're that powerful. People had, and I think these were some of the first leaks, that um, Luke Skywalker was so powerful with the Force that he could throw his lightsaber and it could do this weird boomerang thing Mm -hmm. and all these different things. And I was just like, I left that movie and I was like, Exactly, yeah. Dude, in the extended universe, Luke would, one of the craziest things I've seen him do was stop a black hole I think he stopped what yeah he actually stopped a black hole he moved the planet's orbit kind of like Superman kind of like Superman there was a point where he was so powerful in the force he was literally unstoppable and then they brought up the fact that he has to stop using his power because that's the path to the dark side we missed all that good Star Wars content that's in the EU we missed that you know in in these next two movies yeah another thing Mara Jade yeah Marjay, where's Marjade? <laughs> Not there. Not there at all. I just, I mean, I think they could have used those, you know, that character as well to make this better. But, um, but yeah. So, remind me of this, and you know, as you can tell, I am not kind of a sharp edge on the side of some of these names and, and some of these um, particular new characters. Who's the character who um, is the international trader? Um, she is the protector of the lightsaber until she gives it to Rey and she was done completely CGI um, I know who you're talking about uh, she was at the cantina uh, Moss uh, Moss Eisley Moss Eisley Moss Eisley um, there were you know I actually got a kick out of the fact that she had a crush on Chewbacca that was funny that was pretty cool um, some of the it was a little <laughs> melodramatic when she's She's uh, yelling Han Solo and crawling, you know, crawling over the, uh, um, the whatever the, the universe's uh, take on poker is. Mm-hmm. But I think, in a way, it was a little bit cartoonish. And that was the only thing that I thought maybe could have been changed about her character. Now, 
the flashbacks uh, when you know Ray's down getting the lightsaber and she's drawn towards the Force, and um, she's brought down there for a reason. I mean, those flashbacks and you can hear Yoda and you can hear um, Obi Wan. I think you hear Obi Wan and you can hear Luke Skywalker, Qui Gon Jinn. Yep. Um, So I mean, that was really cool. And then you know it, it kind of snapped back into really cool stuff. Some of the chase scenes in the forest around there was cool. Um, I think one of the things that I loved from the Force Awakens was just the badass sounds of Tie Fighters coming in. Yeah, which is one of the best sounds mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, I agree. Just the screeching sound and the fact that there was such an organized invasion, which you really didn't see in Star Wars. The, the A New Hope and you know anything to do with how they actually invaded planets. Mm-hmm. As, as you said, in the EU, there's there's tons of descriptions of how Darth Vader basically ravages the, the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. um, but just having that rumble, and they're like, here they come, and then the screech of the TIE fighters coming down, seeing the Star Destroyers. Now, obviously, with CGI now, although you know that's another conversation, but George Lucas did the most amazing um, effects with models and force perspective and things mm-hmm. like that. But when you see them screeching down, and then you see the stormtroopers um, as they um, disembark, almost like World War II characters on a beach. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I agree. I agree, man. And I should probably clarify a little bit when I'm talking about um, having the Tie Fighters coming over the horizon. Um, a lot of uh, scenes where there's a sunset um, or you know a beautiful day with a lot of uh, shaded uh, cloud cover. So I'm talking about. Uh, two battles specifically: the battle on the planet where the cantina was, sure. and also the first invasion scene. Um, and later on in, in the film series, there's um, there's some really cool chase scenes uh, when Ray's you know obviously piloting the Millennial Falcon, and they're going through these old this old wreckage of snow walkers. And that's the thing that I really love about J.J. Abrams. He goes and gets the 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 background of things that that we recognize. He uses this iconography, which is so, so um, mm-hmm. available in our memory bank, which, for example, were the Snowwalkers, right. which, I mean, personally, on a side note, I am, um, and I, I'm very, very embarrassed to say this, <laughs> but I was at the age when, um, you know, well, first of all, my mom let us miss school for Empire Strikes Back and the Return of the Jedi premieres. That's awesome. But one thing that I remember specifically is I wanted a Snowwalker. <laughs> and we had zero money. I mean, like, I, I had free lunch and all kinds of weird things. Um, and on Easter, I remember before I went to bed, I got on my knees and prayed to Jesus. For a snow walker? That he would bring me a snow walker. Please. That may have set up the rest of my life. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm still redeeming myself. Trying to ask for the at Exactly. And I remember I woke up and there was, uh, you know, there was a, the regular uh, Easter basket. My mom did the best that she could with, like, a white chocolate bunny. <laughs> And I was like, is this some kind of joke from Jesus that you know, snow walkers are white and white chocolate bunny? Uh, at any rate, so you know, J.J. Abrams did a really good job, in my opinion, of taking these things that trigger nostalgia in your life. And uh, you know, obviously the Millennium Falcon um, and snow walkers and you know, uh, a set that is very much a, the surrounding, the environment is very much like Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of uh, move forward with, with these ideas, so tell me... Just to kind of finish up with, not with our podcast, but to finish up um, more with the latest movie that came out, and then we'll talk a little bit about the one that they've been they've been uh, doing spoilers for and kind of previewing. So tell me, besides what we talked about with uh, you know the shirtless scene and different things, what else was a miss? So 
I think so prophecy there's a lack of prophecy in um, th these last two movies um, you know one of the greatest things about Star Wars was the prophecy of the one the one that was supposed to bring balance to the force and things like that um, that was absent that that is absent in these uh, most recent movies um, so I think that's one piece that, that I've really missed um, one of the things that they that they did get good um, is you talk about the you know tie fighter sounds and things that really take you back um, Jedi mind tricks you know that Ray was using that, that was sweet was, that was really cool um, that really brought me back um, you know her her um, being able to use the force to um, grab the lightsaber you yeah know, that, that was also very very cool um, so that's something that I think the force awakens nailed and that the last Jedi missed um, there's just so much of an opportunity to elaborate on, you know, different force powers and um, talk about what the Jedi can actually do, what the Sith can actually do, and I just really didn't see that in either of these, well, in, in the last movie. Um, not from Luke, you know, not really from Rey, um, not even really from Kylo, so... Um, well, the elephant in the room is Princess Leia's spatial float scene Mary Poppins <laughs> <laughs> is that what they're calling it the Poppins yeah the Poppins <laughs> that was see that was that honestly because I knew that she had passed at that point I thought that that was going to be like a tribute to her that she dies that she dies in space and, and that would have made sense he's right? a cleanup but instead now what are we going to have like a hologram hologram Leia in the next one what, god I hope not <laughs> what are they going to do I hope not and you know having a hologram and I'm I'm very interested for um, uh, for the techniques that they use in this new film, which, according to them, according to you know what everybody's saying in Hollywood, is going to be the last in this particular series, sure. the original series, and now the the last three films. I would say that I'm interested to see how they uh, do the CGI um, resurrection of these characters. I know that they did in Rogue One. Mm. And in this, they're going to have to do some CGI to bring back Princess Leia, and they're also going to have to do some CGI um, on uh, you know characters in general that um, have passed. Now, one of the things that disappointed me the most was Admiral Akbar oh, yeah. being in, in in the film for like what two minutes? Yep, then blown up. That was awesome. Just blown up. Yeah, I, I I feel like they were cutting off or, or ending a lot of characters just way too abruptly. It was lazy. You know, it you, was lazy. When you see your favorite characters go, it needs to have some meaning. Like You're, when Han Solo went. Like when Han Solo went. That was cool. That was, yeah. Chewie yells, shit hits the fan. Exactly. That was dramatic. I was pissed. You know, I was really upset. Whenever Akbar and them died, I, I almost had to ask, that was Akbar. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't asking for it. It's a truck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then he blows up. Oh, that would have been sweet. That would have been sweet. I would have I taken that. Um, yeah, it, it just seemed like. An obvious way to end a lot of stories and I think another point about these movies um, I don't even believe that the rebellion can win this time <laughs> there's like one transport left just giving up no no <laughs> weapons Luke just whatever so I guess I don't yeah I don't know I, I didn't even feel like the, the rebellion could win in the previous movies I always felt like they had a fighting chance they had some type of you know menace to them but moving forward I don't even see why they survived <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a ragtag thing, and in Solo, if you know, correct me if I'm wrong. At the end of Solo, that was the beginning of the rebellion, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, that was the beginning of the. Well, that was the beginning of him 
um, getting involved with the rebellion. I think it might have actually been going before that. Um, but yeah, that was the beginning of him getting involved. Okay, so jumping to the subject of diversity, and um, so let's start with Rogue One. Okay. So the majority of of the cast would be in the United States what we refer to as minority characters. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, and I was amazed to see this being you know Mexican American, was seeing Diego Luna, and he just he's suave. And he's a killer leader, mm-hmm. and he's so intense. English is his second language, and he is—he's so good when he's speaking his. And you know, there there's a lot of uh, movies that people don't know of that he's in. And in fact, if you want to go to uh, Netflix and watch Narcos, yeah. So the new season of Narcos—I don't remember which uh, which kingpin he plays, but he is extraordinarily good in that. And he has this evil side that he's had in other movies in Mexico. But like I said, he's, he's a very well-established actor in Mexico. And I hope that a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Because you really have to push the barriers. You have to have these filled, like Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these people that took on these roles. Um, and you know, not to compare him to Sidney Poitier, but you can compare him maybe to um, uh, the role of Lando Calrissian, which was pretty much the only... Um, person of color who was in the the first uh, Star Wars franchise. So you've got Diego Luna and you've got um, quite a few characters uh, who are Asian American Mm -hmm. and uh, you've got characters like Forrest Whitaker, um, definitely one of the main characters at the beginning who's African American obviously. Mm -hmm. And um, to jump down to his character specifically, so Forrest Whitaker was a bit of an enigma and I, I, I wasn't quite sure if he was um, kind of a friend or a foe. I knew that he was part of the rebellion in general, but I wasn't really sure at the end. It was a little bit ambiguous. Is he a villain or, or is he a hero? Right. I think that's up to us to decide. I think that's yeah. that was one of the cool things that about about that movie as well. You know, the villain. You know, he is. He's some of the things that he does. They're evil. You know, they're, they're cruel. They're brutal. Um, but then at the same time, you look at what happened to him. You know why he is the way that he is. So I think that's that was one of the cool things about Rogue One, um, and the same with Cassian. You know, Cassian uh, cold-bloodedly killed someone at the beginning of the movie, but he's thought of as a protagonist for the majority of it. So yeah, um, yeah, I think that's something that everyone kind of does have to decide. Myself, I think he was a little bit too violent. I, I think that you know Saul was a little bit too too violent. So, mm-hmm. um, but I can see other people, you know totally empathizing with him so yeah I agree and um, it's funny that Rogue One is one of the more popular films I believe it was uh, in the top 10 of uh, international grossing films of all time really? which uh, doesn't surprise me uh, because you know if you were watch, I was in the theater and I saw the first um, preview and you know you've got you've got land based snow walkers I mean you know uh, warm weather snow walkers mm-hmm. You've got these battles. You've got uh, you know these characters that that are so new, and so out of the scope, and so diverse. And you know, I was just I was amazed by how they set that up. Mm-hmm. So back to a point that you made. Sorry, I want to jump back. To no, the, no, the, man, that's the how this goes. You have the new ones. So you know, I'm critical, obviously, of some of the new new films and things. But the diversity and the cast, they they really did nail that. And I will always give them credit for that. You know, like you mentioned. Uh, you know Saul, and you got Diego Luna, um, but then also you've got the female protagonists. You've got uh, Poe Dameron, who is you know he's, he's gay. Um, that that type of diversity. Is Poe Dameron gay? 
believe so. You believe so? <laughs> um, I think I'm pretty sure Paul Dameron's gay. Um, and then you've got um, uh, the the Finn's uh, romantic interest. Um. Well, you've you've got uh, you've got Jiang Wen, uh, you've got Donnie Yen, uh, you've got Alan Tudyk. I mean, I was amazed and thrilled at uh, the representation of Asian Americans in that film, mm-hmm. and it was just it was a revelation for me. And to be honest with you. Uh, one of the things that I did like about it, and Kennedy really did fix this, is the first version, apparently during the rap, was that everybody survived. Right. Or the majority of them survived. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the actual history of that particular mission, everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> so you know, not only was that an inconsistency, um, the fact that Disney was writing this is like, wow, you know, it, it would be something they're like, oh, Disney took over the franchise. And it would turn everybody off if it was a, a happy ending, so to speak. But... Everybody freaking dies, right? And just in the most morose fashion. <laughs> yeah, it was it was sad, man. And then I remember I kept looking for theories, hoping that they could somehow survive. But yeah, it, it was sad, man. The, the part that made that distracted me from that though, Darth Vader, right after. That. Oh yeah, Dude. And, and I'll tell you what, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna go into probably one of my favorite Star Wars scenes of any of the franchise, okay. including the extended universe. We'll be right back. Sorry. So I'm back with Mark Jackson, and I want to talk a little bit about Darth Vader. Darth Vader has always been one of my favorite characters, and I know a lot of people say that uh, Darth Vader is my um, my idol, <laughs> Sith Lord, and Darth <laughs> Vader is the most important character in the series. Now, I mean, although he is my favorite character, it's for other reasons. It's because of the fact that he was redeemed in Return of the Jedi, and obviously this is before the extended universe when I first saw Return of the Jedi. So, Mark, I want to let you talk a little bit about why Darth Vader is worse than people know. Yeah, sure. So, um, whenever we watch 4, or 5, and 6, you know, um, we really just assumed, uh, you know, the violence, the cruelty of Darth Vader based off of the context of the movie. Um, but from reading the comics, reading some of the, the books, and I'm also watching Clone Wars and Rebels, um, you really see how, how Darth Vader ruled you know the universe or the galaxy um, for those decades in between the movies. So you know he enslaved entire planets. Um, you know eradicated entire populations. Um, had several different apprentices and um, several different people who died. Um, you know you know in between those times. So um, there was a lot that Vader did to earn the reputation that he has um, that most people wouldn't see unless you read some of the books or watched some of those other cartoons. Um, well, and in fact, uh, in the extended universe, he's represented, you know, I hate to throw this around, almost like a, a Hitler character where there are multiple, multiple hundreds of thousands of genocides, either um, carried out by the stormtroopers and, you know, his commanders, obviously, with the starships, but also by um, himself. I mean, as far as I can tell from reading some of these um, other comics is that he made it personal. He went on the planets. He actually led the brigades of stormtroopers. So one of the things that I thought was amazing in um, character development is Rogue One, the scene that was pretty much one of the last scenes in the movie. You have Darth Vader in smoke, in fog, and all you see is a red lightsaber opening up from the... (laughs) from the handle and then you know you hear the uh, artificial breathing 
and then it is just hell unleashed. And that's how I always thought of Darth Vader, but he's never actually been depicted that way. Same. Even even in the prequels, even when he he uh, he's Anakin Skywalker. I mean, just the methodical way that he takes out all these rebel soldiers, mm-hmm. it's disturbing, but uh, <laughs> to say the least. But it's completely accurate, and it's completely um, as his character has been depicted outside of the films. Mm-hmm. So, gosh, I feel kind of a guilty pleasure in seeing him completely destroy these these rebel soldiers. It might be because of the hats. I don't know. It might be because <laughs> of the helmets that they wear. Um, it might be because of the generic way that they can't shoot. But, um, you know, he picks people up. He's He's got one hand on the lightsaber. He's... Um, deflecting laser blasts. He's picking people up with one hand. He's uh, throwing them around like, like rag dolls. He's taking all their guns and pulling them towards him. Agreed. And uh, you know, not only is he um, absorbing laser shots, but he's pushing them back out and mm-hmm. killing people. I mean, that's the good stuff. That is the good stuff, man. And that's that's the part of Star Wars that that I feel like we've been missing a lot of. But um, yeah, man, just showing the actual dominance that a Force user has over. The normal people in the galaxy um, is a part that we haven't seen. There haven't been, you know, a ton of Sith characters, a ton of Jedi characters, and and you know the recent content. So um, seeing that was, while obviously you know you want the good guys to win, it was still. Do we um, want the good guys to win? Actually, I don't know. Who <laughs> are sure. the good guys? Well, we know who the good guys are, but I mean, people are obsessed with the the dark side, and why is that? I think a lot of people can empathize with the anger with the chip on your shoulder um, you know with the fear with the jealousy things like that corporate so, sales corporate <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a, a personal uh, anecdote but uh, you know just a quick story not to interrupt you Mark but we uh, Mark and I actually met when we were um, both doing corporate tech sales and uh, yeah yeah in that case we kind of both wish we were Darth Vader true um, I got out of it you know Mark is excelling you escaped it. Absconded to better to better things. He's still in it. So, uh, but keep going. Uh, the fact that that people really do commiserate with dark characters, mm-hmm. and um, that's not unusual. I mean, you know, I was watching He Man, and that's another episode we're going to do about He Man. Um, kind of like Skeletor. And the first toy that I got in the He Man series was Skeletor. And there's, <laughs> there's a lot of people that you that you really root for. I mean, in every other film that you have um, about uh, Dracula and you can you can see and kind of the, the millennial things that come out regarding vampires and werewolves and things like that it kind of gets to a point where people do um, sympathize with dark characters as long as they're not genocidal or anything like this but you know kind of dark character light and yeah. uh, Darth Vader was dark character light until you know this particular scene and uh, in the EU so what I want to do right now is I think that we talked a little bit about character development, um, Sith Lords, uh, Rebel Heroes, uh, Extended Universe, uh, which I just stated, also about Clone Wars. Now, Mark, I want you to talk a little bit about your hope and fears, perhaps, about the new movie that's coming out, and I believe it's coming out December of this year? Yeah, something like that. Um, Give me your impressions on spoilers, which are usually BS. Give me a little bit of what you think and what you fear about this. So this time, I actually am not watching any of the any of the spoilers or anything like that. Previously, I would do all of the research, but this time, not looking at the content. But some of my hopes um, are that some time has passed and that there are more Force users from yeah. from the new from the new you know few movies. There hasn't been enough. I feel like we deserve more 
uh, force magic, more... Maybe Finn? Maybe some Finn, and that's another point. Yeah. What happened with that? I don't know. I, I, I feel like they You said, mean the coma and the... The coma? I he used said, the lightsaber and it's like, what? Exactly, <laughs> and then that just goes away, so he's... Yeah, I feel like that's another missed point. I really was looking forward to seeing Finn at least be a... Absolutely. Some type of force user, um, but yeah. So, yeah, I mean, looking forward to that. Hopefully there's more Force users in this next movie. There's some spoilers about Finn actually um, wielding a, a lightsaber. I don't know. You know, th- th- those, those, those come and go, so. More? Like for the next movie, there's more? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, that, that would be good. I would like to see that. Um, also, I would like to see some of the other um, ends get tied up. Is Ahsoka still alive? You know, yeah. is she still around? Are some of these other Jedi in hiding still alive? Um, also, is this really the end of the rebellion? Is that all that's left? The one transport full of a hundred, a few hundred people. So deja vu from the other films. True, very um, true. But you know, in general, I think that it, it, it's exciting to see the new film. Um, I hope that our conversation was interesting to not only fans but people who want to learn a little bit uh, more about uh, Star Wars in general. Now, we did kind of jump around a little bit, and that's the nature of my podcast. I want, in general, for people to understand that uh, conversations on podcasts, in my opinion, are not linear. You can jump around. You can talk about different things. Uh, Mark and I are going to have another podcast probably next month, uh, the second week of next month. We're going to talk a little bit more about Star Wars, and we're going to focus on a few things and maybe speak about 45 minutes on um, A New Hope and, and the, the two films after that. But I really wanted to end on a good note that this was an amazing conversation. Mark, you are an amazing Star Wars fan, and you're a great guest. So I wanted to sign off and say thank you for listening to Robot Love. Please visit my site, uh, Rotoro.com, which is actually RotoroComic.com, R-O-T-O-R-O, Comic.com. That's where you can read my uh, graphic novel, at least the first 40 pages. Uh, Mark, any thoughts before we sign off? Not really. Just any listeners, fans, um, don't don't crucify Brian for my scatterbrainness. <laughs> um, but yeah, really looking forward to continuing to contribute about this and um, having these types of conversations. So. Um, Thanks for having me, Brian, and um, yeah, it's been fun. No problem. Signing out. Thanks again for joining Robot Love. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Robot Love Podcast. Remember to check out Brian's comic, Rotoro, at rotorocomic.com.